Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Uh, my name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine right here on AM 760 KFMB. Thanks for tuning in. Um, hour number two, huh? Hour number two. So I want to talk uh, um, just a few different things here uh, when it comes to money in our behavior. Okay. All right? And there's a couple of different big mistakes that people are making with their money. And I think one of the biggest things that we can do as individuals is learn from other people's mistakes. And especially when you're looking at retiring and if you have money and you make a mistake, if you might be you know, difficult to get caught back up. Right? Would you sure. agree with that? I'd agree with that. So one mistake is this, is that when you are investing your money, um, you might be confusing results with activity. Okay. So what that means is that, all right, the more active you are in your account, the more that you look at it, the more you trade it, your anticipation is is that, hey, I will receive higher results. Right, because you put in all that time and energy and effort, so it's got to come out better, right? Because we spend a lot of time as individuals when it comes to our money, is that, all right, well, here, I want to find that best investment, okay? So what is that best investment for me? And so we search and scour and study. And we say, all right, I think I found the best investment. And then we hold on to that investment for about three months. And then it goes down in value. And then we're like, oops, maybe this isn't the best investment. So we sell it and we buy something different. And then we hold on to that for a couple of weeks. And then it goes down. And what do we do? We sell it. And then so we're continuing to like search for this holy grail. And when you do that with all of that different type of activity, right? Because we're twice as fearful to lose money than we are to gain money. Sure. But adding that type of activity to the overall account is actually hurting you versus helping you. And Dalbar does the study every single year, and they look at the average equity investment versus the average equity investor. Right. And it's funny because, I mean, the last one I saw, the last 30 years, the average investment was somewhere around 10 or 11 yeah, equity investments, Ac- stock equity investment. investments, and we, you know, we had, we had a good run right through the '90s and so forth. But uh, at any rate, what did the average investor earn? And it's more like three or four percent, not ten or eleven percent. So you're leaving a lot of return on the table just because your emotions get in the way. Because it's easy to, to kind of see this when stocks are going up, you think, okay, I want to jump on. Well, they've already gone up. You've missed a lot of the ride. And when stocks go down, you go, this, these, it um, doesn't work anymore. It's, I'm. Too too fearful. I got to sell. I got to get out. Well, what have you done? You've sold when the stocks are down and you bought when they're up. And our behavior kind of gets in the way when it comes to good investing. Right. Sometimes doing nothing is the right answer and that's right. okay. Right. You know, but our, our fear, right? Because if you see a train coming right at you, our instincts as humans is to get the heck out of the way as soon as possible. Change direction. Fix this, right? Sure. If you're, you know, running a company down <laughs> into the you know depths of um, bankruptcy, yes. you have to make some changes. But with little dips in the market, that is when people get freaked out over a very short period of time where they might be making some decisions and activity in their overall account when doing nothing is, is, is okay. 
there's absolutely times when doing nothing is not okay with your investment portfolio as well. You know, you have to make sure that you're taking a look at everything appropriately, how much risk that you're taking in the portfolio, what type of investments do you hold? Are you rebalancing the portfolio? And that's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. Because what rebalancing is, is that, well, when certain areas of your portfolio go up, right? So let's say the S&P 500 has up, what, 10% over the last four weeks. So now that asset class is back up again. Hey, right? But other asset classes have not performed. So what do you have to do? You have to sell the top performing asset classes and buy the worst performing asset classes. Yeah, well, Most people do the opposite. They're like, right. no, I'm selling these bad ones and I'm going to buy more good ones. That's logical. Yes. But it's it, it, you have to look at conventional wisdom and throw it out the window when it comes to your overall investment strategy. Yeah, you, you do, Joe. Interestingly enough, about eight years ago, Warren Buffett, uh, I think this was in one of his annual letters, Berkshire Hathaway, he said, he said, I will... I will bet that my investment, my single mutual fund investment, will beat any hedge fund out there. And so he just put that out there. Didn't expect anyone necessarily to take him up on it. But I guess a hedge fund manager said, yeah, I'll take you up on that. And so they, they got together. They agreed on the bet. And so the hedge fund manager got to pick, you know, I don't know, like four or five hedge funds as a collective. And then you know what Warren Buffett picked? The Vanguard S&P 500. And they both each put in $500,000, so it's a million dollars at stake, and and the, the basically the winner gets to have that money go to their charity. So that's how this was done. So I just heard this about a month ago. So we're eight years in. The uh, S&P 500 is up about 66%. The collective hedge funds are up 22%. Sounds so, all right. Yeah, it does. But we we get this notion that there's these experts out there that can really do better for us, and it's 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 rarely true. Well, you hear it on on this radio station. Yeah, of course uh, you do. You, you know, you hear it all over. You know, you turn on the the radio if you like talk radio, if you like finance shows, if you're listening to this show, you probably are looking for the worst finance show out there because <laughs> that's basically um, anyway. With that is though, but you you hear other people say, you know what you you got to get out of the market. I mean, you'd be crazy. What do you know? What two thousand eight did to you? You lost fifty percent of your money. Are you going to do the same thing twice? Right? That's that's crazy. Yeah, and it's that they can pray in because the emotion of losing yes. money is so powerful. It is powerful. Hey, come work with me because I know when the markets are going to go back up, and I'm going to sell when they go down. Be right before they go down. And then I'm going to buy back when our buying signals tell me it's time to buy. Or how about this one? I've got this great product. It's called an annuity. You get market-like returns with no downside. Sure. Sounds good. Sounds great. Yeah. I would love market returns with no downside risk, but that's just not, that's fantasy land. That's just not the reality, you know? And so uh, another mistake here, besides listening to um, radio programs, <laughs> is, uh, is recency biased. And um, this is a huge issue. It sure is. Recency bias is this, is that you take a look at the overall, um, what happened recently, and then you continue to extrapolate that in the future. But that will continue. You got it. Like when houses were going up 2% a month in the in 2004, 2005, well, certainly that's going to continue because they're not making any more land. So right. it's recency bias, and we all know what happened there. And, and virtually every asset class has its day where it, it's growing rapidly. Uh, I remember Al and I were doing classes in 2005 and six about how to 
real estate disposition plan. Yes. Remember that? Yes. And so it's like, okay, well, here, here's like four or five different strategies that you could sell your real estate and avoid or reduce the amount of capital gains tax right. on the appreciated asset. And so, you know, 2006, five, four, five, and six, they were like, yeah, well, you know, why would I ever do that? Yeah, it's like, I, you're you crazy. Guys, I'm already up a thousand percent of my real estate. I'm, I'm never selling my real estate. I'm never, ever, because I can drive by it and look at it. Yeah, they're thinking, I thought you were going to tell me where to buy the next property. Yeah, and people would like get upset. <laughs> I thought this was a real estate class. It is on how to sell it. Well, I would never sell real estate. Then they'd get storm out of there. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, that was fun. I did throw in a few of where I thought to buy. That that brought him back in. Oh, yeah. Market predictor. (laughs) Predictions weren't very good, as it turned out. So why are you listening to the show today? All right, we got to take another break. show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Right here on AM760 KFMB. My name's Joey Anderson. I'm with Big Al Coalpine. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Easter weekend. I got going to quiz you, Alan. Okay, good. I got seven ways your expenses will change in retirement. Okay. Let's see if you can name a couple of them. This is by uh, US News. Okay. So these are seven ways that my expenses will change in retirement. Seven ways. What do you think? This is uh, on average. On, On average. Okay. Well, I know a lot of these studies will tell you that your your expenses will go down because you don't have as much transportation costs. You don't have to buy the nice suits. All so. right. So that was one. Mm-hmm. Fewer transportation expenses was mm-hmm. one of them. It was one of them. Okay. So I got one. So, you know, I was talking to my mother who is retired. And uh, so she was, when gas prices were, you know, they're still... Relative, uh, they, they they went because the price of oil was like yeah. almost at you know free, right? <laughs> and so people were saying, you know, well because the 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 price of gas is so much cheaper, it's like people are getting a raise, and so she could not fathom what the heck that meant. She's like, well, <laughs> what does the price of gasoline have to do anything to do with people getting raises? Right. I mean, is she talking about? Why? Because, you know, in the oil companies, they feel sorry for it. I don't know. What, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, no, Mom. What they mean is that because you're paying less at the pump, that means that that is more discretional income that you, you can spend on other you, things. You have more money in your pocket. It's, yes. it's like a raise. And she's like, and she's got a PT cruiser. Yeah. I think that's 20 years old. And I, I think she's got like 8,000 miles on it. Yeah, got it. So she doesn't drive. She that. doesn't drive. Right. She's like, well, this doesn't really affect me. And I'm <laughs> most of my retired friends, they're not driving all over the place. Right, right. Uh, well, but so, given up their... So this is what new, uh, U.S. Yeah. News and uh, World Report says. Giving up their commute to work is a major way retirees save money. Okay. So transportation costs declined steadily from the a, um, steadily with age. From $9,600 for people ages 50 to 64 to 7900 among yeah. retirees in their late 60s and just 3600 for people 80 or older. Okay. Well, one thing that goes up generally is is um, health insurance and medical costs. Well, we're still talking about transportation costs here. I right? thought we're moving on. No. We've exhausted that one we're already. We're milking this thing for another seven minutes. <laughs> this will be boring. But what they don't, right? Well, so maybe I'm not driving my car, but I'm retired. So I'm driving my car to the airport. True. And I'm getting on an airplane probably. Maybe I'm going uh, on a cruise. 
So those transportation costs might go up. <laughs> True. So, okay, so this is coin, a point counterpoint. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Move on. What else do you got? I got health care costs are higher. Yes, higher health care costs. That's uh, number two. Do you have the really? same report in front of you now? I don't, but that's pretty good. Yeah. Huh? So as you age, this, uh, they're saying you will probably begin uh, to need more medical services. You think so. The cost of health care tr- uh, tends to increase significantly in retirement. Average annual expenditures for health care jump from $3,900 among workers age 50 to 64 to 5000 bucks for retirees 65 to 79 mm. So if... Um, so five thousand dollars is that per person? Didn't we do this math yeah, last it, week? Yeah, it is per person. Yes. So then that's ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah, for a couple. For a couple, and if you got twenty years in retirement, that's a couple hundred thousand. Couple hundred grand. Yeah. That's where Fidelity gets that, or twenty-five years in retirement. Yeah, that's because the last study I saw said two hundred forty thousand dollars. Right. So if you look at ten thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. then that doesn't include long-term care costs. Correct. And so yeah. if you retire at sixty-five and live to age ninety, yeah. That's where they're getting that two hundred fifty thousand so, dollars figure. We ready for the next one? Do you have? Uh, or <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So I don't know if this is going to be in that same category, whether it's a category all its own. But health insurance will be higher because Medicare doesn't cover everything, and a lot of people get supplemental insurance. True, right? So people do think Medicare will cover everything. They do. They also think a lot of times Medicare will cover your long-term care needs, and it doesn't. Right. We're doing a webinar. Speaking of um, Medicare, yes, in uh, a month or two. Uh, so go to our website at purefinancial.com. Get on our newsletter list if you want to get in, invited to any of these uh, webinars and, and events that we do. So, so I would all right. Say, so what else do you got? I got. I, I would say uh, your your leisure activities would go up. Interesting. Is that to make it? Um, it did. Okay. But the opposite, they said. Seven ways they went right? down. Yeah. U.S. Oh, News I... report said entertainment costs declined slightly. Really? I, I find that hard to believe. I think so, too. Annual entertainment costs declined by an average of only $300 in retirement. Hmm. Young retirees are often eager for new experiences, but entertainment costs decline as people age. Entertainment expenses are much higher for younger retirees in their late 60s than retirees in their late 70s. So hmm. Okay. Well, I think, I don't know, Joe, this seems like the people we talk to are spending more on leisure activities. I would say most of our listeners yes. would, uh, are spending more. Right, right. Okay, so I, I got the category right, but according to U.S., what is it, U.S. News? Yes, U.S. News and World Report. Well, they must be right. <laughs> How can I contradict that? Yes, I don't know who they're surveying. What else you got? <laughs> oh, boy, I don't know. Let's see. What else What else happens in retirement? No uh, need to save for retirement. Well, yeah, that's true. So, so you, you don't have to put money into 401k. Yep. You can't contribute to a 401k or an IRA if you don't have earned income. So retirees also no longer pay into Social Security. So personal insurance and pension contributions drop uh, for workers. So that's one thing. Yeah, that's true. And I guess uh, since you don't have a salary, you don't have Social Security taxes and all that. So it's, yeah, you, yeah definitely some savings there. Uh, less need for expensive consumer goods. I think you said that earlier. Yeah, I tried to, but you cut me off. Yeah, because I, I I, it has its own category. Okay, now. got it. Yeah, because I said you don't have to buy those expensive suits and outfits and so forth. So apparel costs decline from $1,100 shortly before retirement to $800 after retirement. There's obviously less of a need for expensive work clothing when you are no longer required to wear office attire. So. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, let's okay. see here. So now, we got, does it does it talk about travel? Maybe going up, or does or that's in transportation? And one, two, three, four, five. Six. Yep. No, there's um, lower housing costs. Really? Yeah. Beca- because you paid off your mortgage. It says housing is a major expense for people of every age. However, housing costs declined from an average of seventeen thousand dollars for people aged fifty to sixty-four. To thirteen thousand seven hundred among retirees is uh, age sixty-five to seventy. Okay. So there's a variety of ways retirees reduce their home ownership cost. A retired household may spend less on housing if it pays off its mortgage or downsizing. Sure, that does make sense. Okay. Uh, so I don't. I don't have any more. What how about food costs? Up or down? Food costs. Well, I guess. Uh, I guess they're going down because you're not going to the restaurants as much at lunchtime. I guess when you get older, you don't eat as much. <laughs> what I think what is it breakfast supper what 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 are the meals when you're retired I don't know it's, it's like the, you have supper at it's 5 and you have I don't know what you have but anyway the meals breakfast lunch and dinner No they call it they call it supper and there's something else for I've always called it supper that's I'm, I'm from Minnesota that's what oh, you know, said supper I thought that was just retired people No it's just good people from the Midwest <laughs> call it supper <laughs> Got it. Yeah, okay. they get that early bird. So maybe they just eat once. And it's like kind of that quasi Yeah, maybe that's lunch maybe, and dinner. Maybe it's at, maybe at, it's kind of breakfast and supper. <laughs> Whatever. They go to the, you know, old country buffet at around three thirty. <laughs> that's good. They get out of there at five. Have you ever had they dinner? Watch Wheel of Fortune yeah, and ever done. had dinner at five? Dinner at five? Yeah. No, I have lunch at five sometimes. <laughs> I have on occasion. It is interesting. I'm typically the youngest one in there. Yeah, yeah. I went to a friend's uh, uh, place for um, Christmas this year. Okay. And they had it was 11 a.m. Full course like turkey stuffing, <laughs> cranberry okay. sauce, and at 11 a.m. What'd they call that meal? I don't know. Was that brunch? <laughs> that was something else. <laughs> well, at 11 a.m., you know, give me a turkey sandwich and a beer. You know, yeah. I'll, <laughs> right? I'll have, you know, the the big turkey you sure. know, at well, the appropriate time. Yeah, at the noon hour, right? Yeah, Maybe like 1 that. o'clock. Maybe, yeah. yeah, right? I don't think that's normal. But, you know, but you just, you, you wake up. Well, you get right? up at 5 a.m. Well, yeah, not on Christmas that's, morning. Well, yeah, but I mean, just in general. Yeah. So that I think that's why you have breakfast at six a.m., and then you have lunch or whatever you call it at eleven, and then you have supper at five. <laughs> then you go to bed at six yeah. thirty. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's the dream. <laughs> that is, that's that's can't wait for retirement. There it is. Oh, if are, you need help we... with that type of retirement, don't call us. Yeah, <laughs> we can't help you there. We, uh, we try for a little better retirement. A little that. bit, a little bit. Um, hey, go to our website if you like it, purefinancial.com. Learn a little bit more about us. We'll be back in just a second. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth right here on AM 760 KFMB. Uh, my name's Joey Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Hanging out here on a Saturday, Easter weekend. Um... Go to purefinancial.com to get more information on us. Purefinancial.com. We're a fee-only registered investment advisory firm. We do not sell any products. There's never a commission generated to our firm. Uh, Ranked in uh, the top, I don't know, what, 100 and some 
of registered investment advisors here, according yeah, to Financial Advisor depends magazine. What, depends what list you look at, but I think yeah, that magazine we were like hundred. 20, 105, something like that. Another one, we were like 200 something. But still, I mean, when you look Those at. Those rankings don't really mean anything. Well. All you got to do is you got to take a look at what level of service are they going to provide you? I, I agree with are that. Are they selling your product or are they not selling your product? Do they have an expertise and do they have credential professionals? And is there a way that they can, you know, create the retirement income that you need with the least amount of tax, the least amount of cost, the least amount of, um, you know, risk possible? is where I think that people got to look at. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's more important. And I think when you look at those two lists that we're referring to, one, the one where over 200, they had hybrid uh, registered investment advisors, and which means that, yes, they're fee only, but they're also commission both. They got a little bit of both. And so you never quite know whether that sort of taints the advice. It could. It could. It could. It could. And so the other list, they tried to get rid of those hybrid uh, firms and were like 105 in the country. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, wow. there's something like it's just different people say different things, but last I heard was there's 30,000 firms that are uh, registered investment advisors, and that's that's if you're if you if that's a new term to you, it's this is now a new way to um, to deliver and receive financial planning. That the whole idea is or that, advice or advice, I guess, yeah, advice, which is. Um, which is it's 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 supposed to be fee only, or it's supposed to be, and some of them call themselves fee based, which is a little bit different. But the idea is to get away from commission only, which is what most of the industry still is. Joe, it's probably what would you say? Maybe eighty five percent of the industry is is still that way. That's a guess, but I would say still majority of advisors that call themselves, I guess, advisors or. You know, they might have a title of vice president of investments or right. whatever, right? right? So, yeah, their job and function is basically to sell product. It could be in the form of a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, a private placement, a real estate investment trust, an annuity, a life insurance contract, or whatever. And so the problem is, I think, is that they get really good at selling that particular product. They know the product inside and out, and they can make the product sound really good. And so they offer that product for every single solution. You know what I mean? So right. I have a problem. That's their solution, I guess, is what I try to say. Yeah, one size fits all. Well, you, you, yeah. All right. Well, here, I'm trying to retire. Hey, I got the right thing for you. Well, I got to put my kids through school. I got the best thing for you. It's the same product. Right. I'm 65 years old. All right. Well, I got the same. Like, wow, perfect thing for you. All right. Well, I'm 50. Perfect. Got it. <laughs> Can't believe it. But yeah, you're good fortune to come in. I got the right product for really? a 50 year old. Yeah, my dad has this product and he's 70. I'm 40. How does this work? <laughs> Well, you're not supposed to compare. <laughs> well, don't talk to your folks. <laughs> hey, Dad, why'd you refer me to this guy? Are no. your friends all 40? Good. I can sell you this product. Yeah, yeah. And so when you get really good at selling a particular product, right, and then you can kind of put some twists and turns on it and things sure. like that. I've been in this business a long time, and I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I think that's why we built Pure the way we did, is that we wanted no conflicts and no messiness and just give the best advice on the street and so we spend a ton of time studying researching um, you know new strategies when it comes to taxes when it comes to social security or when it comes to pension plays when it comes to everything under the sun in regards to your overall finances so we want to be on the cutting edge of strategy to make sure that people can live the lifestyle that they dream of without necessarily worrying about running out of cash you know? yeah and and speaking of tax strategies Jeff, yes um, I had uh, I met with a couple uh, this last week. I mean, it was two weeks ago. And you look at their situation. They've got 11 rental properties, all, all single-family homes in the San Diego area. So great. That's 11. 11. Right. Yeah, good, you know, and self-managing. So they're, uh, they're in their early 70s, and it's like, uh, 
You just ask a simple question. Now, this is almost all your assets are in real estate. Are you, uh, how do you feel about it? Do you want to keep these properties the rest of your life? And, and so it was kind of a mixed answer. The husband, oh, yeah, we're keeping them forever. <laughs> and the, the, the wife, uh, no, I would love to get rid of these five because they're nothing but aggravation. And they're all paid off, 100% paid off. And so I just said, well, you know, there is a strategy that you ought to at least know about, and that is you can set up this, this thing called a tax-exempt trust, and you can, you can put, the, say, the five properties that you don't want anymore. It's two properties or one or seven. I don't care. Take, take some properties, put them in this tax-exempt trust, and the year that you put it in the tax-exempt trust, then, all right, now, it's set, now you, you can sell it. You don't have to sell it that same year, but when you do sell it, there's no tax to pay because it's a tax-exempt trust. And you're thinking, well, what's the catch? There's got to be something. How does this work? And it's, well, it's, it's the reason why it's tax exempt is that it's designed that you get 90% of the principal back to you over your lifetime, but charity gets 10%. So there is a charitable component here. Charity gets 10%. Well, with anything that you're going to reduce or eliminate tax, I mean, there's no magic wand here. Right. Say, Let's put it in this trust and sell it. No pay tax and don't worry about it and live happily ever after. No. Right. I mean, anytime you want to reduce a tax, there's going to be something that's involved here. Yeah. But, but that- when you look at it, all right, well, here, I would much rather plan a gift, right, than pay a tax because you're, a tax is just like charity, but it's mandatory. Yeah. Versus eliminating the mandatory tax and having a discretionary one where I can pick and choose what organizations that I want my money to go to. Yeah, and so here's the thing is is if, if these if, if the if the wife got her wishes and sold these five properties, their tax bill is half a million dollars on these five, right? So you put it in the in this tax exempt trust, there's no tax to pay. You got all the principal at your disposal. You're not paying tax. You got you have a gross number with which to create an income stream and get, by the way, you get that income and you get 90% of the principal over your lifetime. And guess what? If you guys live past normal life expectancy, you get more than 90%, charity gets less. Here's the downside. If you guys pass away early, charity gets more and you get less. So this is something that you might consider if you think you have a good long life expectancy between the two of you, husband and wife, or you can do this if you're single. That's fine too. And um, I had another case like this, Joe, where the couple was older and I said, well, I probably wouldn't do it on life expectancy because you may not live that long, but you can do it as a 20-year term so that your kids can, if you pass away, your kids will continue to receive this. So you get an income stream for life and all of a sudden it's like when you do the mathematics it's like you you in this particular case on these five properties they they went from roughly say 50,000 of income to about 300,000 of income because now you're getting income and principal back instead of just your income from the property and so if your goal is to is to increase your income and increase your lifestyle and you don't want to pay the tax in the first place it's a tremendous strategy and it's 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 the kind of thing Joe where a lot of people don't realize that these techniques are out there right and that's the problem and so if you can work with an individual or a group of individuals that can come up with different strategies that, of course, are way above board when it comes to IRS. I mean, the IRS code's there. You just have to dive into it. You have and to know how to out, use it. Yeah, you just have to figure out how to use it and say, all right, well, what's the end goal? Right? Is the end goal to maximize your income, to reduce the tax bill, and to maximize how much money is going to go to the, um, the family? Well, all right, well, then now you have something. Now let's dive into the code to see what is available to you to see, all right, well, maybe this strategy might make a lot of sense, but 
you don't like it. Well, maybe this strategy you love, but it probably doesn't make a lot of sense because you weren't aware of X, X Y, and Z, whatever the case is. And then yeah. you can kind of combine different strategies. Well, that's the truth. And this one particular strategy I was talking about, since charity is expected to get some assets at the end of your life, you get a tax deduction today. So you actually can use that against your other income and reduce your taxes currently while you receive much higher income. It really is a great strategy. No, it's not for everybody, but in the right circumstance, it fits a lot of people. And it, to me, it's all about taking control of your of your situation, taking control of your tax liability. In this particular case, I want to sell some properties, but I can't because of the taxes. Well, here's an alternative for you. And you don't just have to do a 1031 exchange and pay and, and buy a whole bunch more property. Here's a way to get out if you want to. But a lot of folks, Joe, don't realize you, there's these strategies around and you can take some control over your taxes. All right, we got to take another break. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth right here on AM760 KFMB. Now back to Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the program. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth right here on AM760 KFMB. My name's Joey Anderson. I'm with Big Al Clopine. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Easter weekend. Go to purefinancial.com if you want more information about our firm. Go to our information or education center um, a lot of great information there. If you have any questions about your overall finances, uh, you can go there, click a button, ask a question, and one of our certified financial planners will answer that question. You know, we were talking about a couple of different tax strategies before the break, and um, there was an individual that came into the office, Al, and I'm sure that you saw this case come through somewhere along the way. Uh, they had significant assets in one individual stock. Okay. $3.1 million. It was all from stock options and things like that. Outside of the retirement account, the basis on the, on the stock was maybe five hundred grand. And uh, so 500000 is what he paid for it. It's worth $3.1 million. Okay. And it's done quite well for him, as you can see from the growth of that particular stock over the past 20-some-odd years. Also, in his retirement account, he's got the same stock. Right? So... Um, when it comes to company stock inside a 401k plan, uh, there's something that's called net unrealized appreciation. So what that means is that you can take the stock out of the 401k plan, pay taxes on the basis of the stock, and then pay capital gains tax on the appreciated gain. It's a pretty big tax move um, and can save people tens of thousands, in this case, a couple hundred grand in taxes. Yeah, a couple hundred. So, so yeah, let's review. How much was in the uh, the retirement account? Two million. Roughly? Two million retirement? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so here's, and what was the basis? Just call it. Call it the same. 500,000. Whatever. Okay. So, all right. And I you, think it was 300 grand. 300 grand. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So you distribute your, and, and you have to be um, separated from service. Right. And at least 55 if you're separated from service. Correct? Well, yeah. You If you're still in service, you don't want to do this technique because it just freezes up your 401k plan. So Correct. if you are separated from service, um, then at any time you can do the net unrealized appreciation. Right. But so then you just, you, you're done with the plan. So then you can move your assets to the brokerage account and then you just pay tax on whatever that basis is. Yeah. I think there's penalties though if you're younger than 55, I believe. So with, well, here's the, the point of, of the discussion is that if you look at your 401k plan, I don't care what age you are, right? <laughs> okay. If you have company stock inside the plan, most people do this. They roll it into an IRA. Correct. Or they'll sell the stock and diversify, then roll it into an IRA. Or they'll go to several advisors and they'll say you have to diversify. And I think Al and I will agree with that statement. Yes, you have to diversify. Mm -hmm. All right? 
in this particular case is that, all right, I'm looking at retiring. I have 100% just about of my net worth, which is close to $7 million. Yeah, in one company. In one company yeah. stock. That's pretty risky. Okay. Even though it is a huge, big, strong company that's global, all right? Sure. And has performed quite well. But the fact of the matter is anything can happen, right? Right. And you look at, you know, the expected return of one individual stock and you look at the expected return of the entire market, it's basically the same with significantly less risk. Yeah. So in this example, you can distribute the stock out of the 401k, $2 million of value. You put it into your non-retirement account, your brokerage account, okay? And it's and you paid three hundred thousand for it. So yes, you have to pay ordinary income taxes on three hundred thousand. So you got to do some projections to kind of figure that out, right? But here's the thing: is that's that's the only tax that you pay currently. Now, when you you you've got a stock with a basis of three hundred thousand worth two million dollars, as you sell that, you're going to have gain on sale. And if you sell the whole thing, it's one point seven million. But that one point seven million is taxed at capital gain rates, which are roughly half of ordinary income tax rates at the highest tax bracket. So you can save a ton of money with this type of strategy. So here was the overall strategy of kind of back of the envelope sketching of some ideas. Is that, all right, well, he wanted to diversify, but wasn't sure how much he wanted to diversify. He went to several different advisory firms, and of course, all they said is that, you know, no, you got to sell the stock and diversify. He's like, yeah, I understand that, but look at the tax consequence. Right. You know, I don't want to pay that type of tax. Sure. So we said, all right, well, why don't you put the non-qualified stock, some or part, right, into a tax-exempt trust, which we talked about last segment. It's a trust that you can establish, put a highly appreciated asset in there, sell that asset, don't pay any tax up front, and then create an income stream, and then you pay tax as you get that income stream along the way. And it's a four-tier tax system where you can get return of basis, ordinary income, capital gains, tax-free, and it kind of shares the same characteristic of what the asset is that's invested in this trust. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty details here, just as concept. This is hypothetically, right? Yes, right. Don't take this as financial advice. What other compliance thing do I have to say? That's that's pretty good. So put the stock in this tax-exempt trust. Sell the stock. Okay. All of a sudden, boom, you get a tax deduction. So now let's use that tax deduction to do the net unrealized appreciation. Right? You with me? Mm-hmm. Now we could take some of that stock out of the 401k plan, right? And then with that big deduction that we're getting, can offset a lot of the income that we're trying to create when it comes to the net unrealized appreciation. So taking the basis out, having the appreciation now in the brokerage account, and then you can sell that at a capital gains rate. So he knew he didn't want to sell it all, but we found a way that we could diversify maybe you know close to uh, half of it, right? And pay sig- almost you know 80% less in tax than if he would have just blew it out. Yeah, and that's the power of combining strategies, like we were talking about last segment. When you can take, in this case, an asset outside of retirement, put some of that in a tax-exempt trust, and which generates a current tax deduction. Let's say he puts, what would you say? Two million bucks in there. Yeah, two million bucks. So that's a $200,000 tax deduction. That nets against that $300,000 of income on the NUA that we just talked about. Those, that's, that's real reduction of taxes. And now it's like, 
now you have diversified and you haven't really paid much tax in doing it. I mean, it's, it's, it really is a good strategy. Then you can take some of the rest of the stock that you didn't put in the tax-exempt trust. If you're charitably inclined, maybe you put some of that in a donor-advised fund because that you get dollar for dollar, whatever the value is, you get to take that as a deduction and know you don't, do not have to pay the tax on the gain. Whatever the value of the stock is worth, you get a tax deduction. You can net that against some of these other transactions. It's, 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 it's a great way to kind of think about this, and this is a good example to illustrate it. It's a lot of times people feel stuck with their situation. It's like, I know I need to make these changes, but I can't. I've got too much tax liability. And if you just knew what some of the strategies are, you could really get yourself in a better spot. Right. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of different things. And I guess th- there's hope for you out there, right? All you need is to just to make, sh- just do a little bit of planning and look forward and saying, all right, well, what's the end goal here? I want to maximize the amount of money that I'm going to myself and my family as retirement income. I want to maximize the amount of money that is going to go to my family at the end of the day. I would like to give a little bit maybe to charity at some point. Uh, but for the most part, I'm family inclined. I want to take care of my family. And then if charity gets a little bit, that's fine. But I want to maximize everything to the rest, you know, to the kids or the grandkids or whatever. Okay, well, now you set that parameter and then now have someone go to work for you to figure out what is the right combination to do all the things that you want to do with the assets that you have. Joe, I, I'll tell you, I've been a CPA, as you know, for over 30 years. And uh, it just it, it amazes me how many people don't real, really realize what strategies are out there. And they end up making a poor decisions, making big mistakes, and they don't realize how important tax planning is until they do make the mistake that costs them in this in this particular case that we just went through hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes but they learn the hard way once they make the mistake but don't let that happen to you all right that's it for us have a wonderful happy easter everyone uh for big al clopine i'm joe anderson uh we'll be back again next week show's called your money your wealth right here on am 760 kfmb